Three, two, one. Why do you do it after the once? Like sound? because you're so slow. It's called a delay. Why can't you just do it one? You're like all right, one. all right, ready. As soon as I say one, I'm gonna clap. This is yeah. it. Okay, I'll, I'm closing my eyes. All right, it. ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. <laughs> and that's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Let's a roll. Honestly, though, you have played the game for a long time. Don't you have anything else to do with your time? Gaming Blues Podcast. We're back, baby. Cow comes back. Anyway, nobody gets that reference because, like, you don't stalk Twitter enough at like I do. No, I don't videos. know how you have enough time to stalk that much Twitter. Work, efficient work. Yeah, workflow. Efficient mm-hmm. workflow. All right, welcome to this week's Gaming Blues podcast, the show with two polar opposite gamers discussing the hottest video game news and bicker about topics I come up during my commute. I say that, but this podcast is also about a movie, so I <gasps> guess it's the Movies Blues podcast. Rebranding? No. Mm. Film. That was lame. Film Blues sounds better. Film Blues Podcast. My name is Andy, and always with me is the one and the only, the charming, Darren McPhail. I was waiting for another adjective, but I'll take all of those. One day I will run out of adjectives and just call you Darren McPhail, straight up. There we go, that's me straight up, coming to you, recorded. Or one day maybe you will compliment me in reverse, who knows. Maybe, I'm with the stuttering, the slow, the dull-witted, Andy shit. This podcast is available on major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, and they still haven't approved us, Stitcher. Mm. Thanks, We're on iTunes. I thought they would have the most strenuous uh, podcasting (laughs) approval process, but hey, that's how it goes. Surprisingly, a lot of our listeners are on Spotify, so we like Spotify. Yeah, that makes sense. Spotify's uh, pretty big, so I think that makes perfect sense. So we've been on a slight hiatus. Um, both of us were on our respective trips and also full-time jobs, full-time jobs. So we haven't found the time to do it. But hey, we're back just in time to give our thoughts on the latest Spider-Man movie. So starting off, this is a spoiler cast for the latest Spider-Man Far From Home. You've been warned. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home, we'll probably also have slight spoilers to Endgame and other Marvel movies because they kind of get... We'll probably touch upon some of those. We will. Specifically Endgame and maybe uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. So you haven't seen them? That's it. It's your warning. Get lost or come back later or stick around. And join us in this edition of... What was it called again? Filming Film Blues Blue. Podcast. The Filming Film Blues, Blues Podcast. Podcast. Anyway. So, Spider-Man Far From Home, the second movie where Tom, we get the Tom Holland Spider-Man. To much critical um, claim from the first one, this is, I think, the last one in the quote-unquote phase three of the marvel universe cinematic yeah i put it in air quotes because their yeah. phases are becoming more and more well i guess they're becoming better defined since they have like this mm-hmm. crazy movie plan and they have like a big production pipeline they show off at every like, comic con and all that but uh i think this is pretty much it for the whole year right like that's uh, it we, m- <clears throat> we might get something down at during holiday season like what they haven't announced um, anything right Hmm. Yeah, that actually might be it, yeah, because they're talking about the sequel to Black Panther and Captain Marvel, but nothing's been shown for that. So, I mean, at this point, yeah, they might be, be pushing it to next year. So this is the only Marvel movie we get for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. So acting as kind of like the bridging to the end of Phase 3 and to the beginning of Phase 4, which they haven't... You know, com- completely elaborated yet. There's are rumors floating around that uh, sequels to uh, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel is in the works. There's Guardians. also talks about 
or volume three that's also kind of, well it's pretty much confirmed at this point no it's right? been confirmed and then it was just the case of james gunn got pulled off the project and then he got brought back on so i'm sure that movie's gone through a bit of production hell Oh, that's a, that's a topic that I don't want to touch, man. That's way, way too sensitive. I mean, he's back now. I don't know if he's still going to do Suicide Squad, like DC offered, but uh, maybe not. One film at a time, I guess. Much like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series, they're also talking about the making a second Marvel TV series. I forgot what it's called. I think it's called Inhumans. That the joke oh. is... I don't know if it's called Inhumans. It's like something similar to that. No, I think it is called Inhumans. Awesome. I nailed it. Um, I'm interested because they're joking about putting Keanu Reeves in there. Because I've always been talking about how are we going to fit Keanu Reeves in the Marvel Universe? As who? And, hey, that's Adam, that's the question. Adam Warlock? Question mark? <laughs> Adam Warlock? No, no, no. No, it's just a joke. But I think... No, Keanu, they can't fit Keanu Reeves in there. You can make this... just make John Wick a Marvel character. Just buy the license and make it a comic, and then just have him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or make him, make him the Marvel Cinematic version of the Punisher. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Except, but everybody will love him though. <laughs> but just don't make him talk. Just make him like a really quiet Punisher. But uh, back when you said Agents of Shield, for some reason, I thought you said Asians of Shield. So I'm just picturing like a weird like Chinese spinoff. I bet you that exists. <laughs> I'm sure it must. Please, somewhere this has in, to exist. Uh, somewhere. I mean, there are like a Asian end end game floating around the internet. I'm pr- not gonna be surprised if it does exist. Um, but I am excited about Inhuman because one of my favorite act uh, Korean actors um, is going is rumored slash confirmed to be part of it, Mister. Dong Suk Ma, which I I think you didn't see Train to Busan, did you? Sadly not. It's actually a good zombie movie, but no, I've um, heard. If, I've heard. If anybody has seen that movie, he's the super buff daddy, who's like basically a sundere, and he kicks zombie ass. What the fuck? And he's he's super like muscular too. Yes, you said that like three times. Did I mention? Really emphasizing this. Did I mention his muscular? (laughs) Did I ever mention that when he sweats, his muscles are like this big? If you zoom closer, you can see his face in there. This beef Um, daddy on the train. Oh, that's the good call. Yeah. So if he's part, is if he's going to be part of the Marvel universe, then holy shit, the Korean community is going to explode if he like joins the Avengers at some point. And that'll be another big leap. For the Korean acting community. I suppose so. Yep, because we got the first one where Mr. Byung Hyun Lee plays Storm Shadow in G.I. Joe. I don't know if you remember that. Oh. That Asian guy who plays Storm Shadow. That, that's how I'll describe Was it. Was he in both movies or only one? He should have been in both, I think. Because I, rem- I remember seeing... I remember I saw both, but I, I more so remember G.I. Joe 1 than the second movie. I think he was more um, featured in the second one, but anyway. Mm-hmm. He's the ninja <clears throat> wearing all white. Which is ironic because he's Asian. Wah! Whoa. Too much? Maybe, but Spider-Man far from home. Way too far from home. <laughs> it's He's pretty far from home. He goes from Brooklyn to... I think they go to London first, I believe, for the school trip. No, they go to Paris. They go to Paris. It ends... The London's the last destination of their trip. So, basis, basic synopsis of the movie is, this is post-Endgame. This is after, spoilers, Tony Stark's death. What did mean, they call the event? Like, when everyone comes back? What do they call that? See, this is an audio podcast, but I'm grinning like like a dumbass right now. Because <laughs> you're envisioning the scene. Yes. Where it's, like, it... where it's in the school uh, <sighs> newsroom, and they're, doing, and they're kind of showing what happened after the event. That, that scene was too close to home because my high school did the same shit with like broadca- make, making like a fake TV broadcast every <laughs> week at the end of the day. I'm like, ah. And they always also had a blonde girl and like some kind of comic relief black guy too. Yeah, it's way too close. Yeah, mixed race anyway, guy there. The Afro. They called it the event 
blipping. Oh, the blip. Yeah, when people the kind blip. of like were gone and then they're back. And then it has the comical scene where every, all the basketballs get thrown at the band people. That was hilarious. But like that means they would time. have to be doing the same thing. Like the people who are still alive were still mm. in the playing band. So it kind of suggests like when they do get dusted, they don't actually disappear or they, they don't really die. They, they just were, don't occupy the space. They're just like gone. Yeah. Just put in a different it's, place. It's like the idea back. of they're just erased from that point and they get restored at that point. So they have this weird conundrum where people that were gone, which mm. turns out to be conveniently all of Peter Parker, Peter Parker and all his friends were all blipped. Mm-hmm. So they're all gone, and they all come back seven years later, but they're all the same age. Five. Five years. Five years. But other people are still in high school. High school age. So no, but like, no, they're not high school age. Like, one of their classmates was like 21. The Like, the Chi- Sam, I think his name was, right? The little Chinese kid become, like, super buff. Yeah, that like that was really weird. But it's like, why is he still in high school? Did he fail? He's like now over 20 like what <laughs> i don't know the thing was if you get bleeped blipped yeah if you get blipped and come back you're somehow aged five years so basically no, no, when no, you no. die no, no no it's the people who blipped that came back the same and everyone else aged no no, other way around people who got blipped aged then how does that work to- tom yeah, that's, that's, got blipped yeah that's the weird thing the chinese kid got blipped it was scrawny, but when he came back, he became super buff. Right? I think you're confused. I think he lived sure? and just got really buff and grew up, and then everyone else came back the same. Because that makes way more sense that all of a sudden he only he gets super buff. Because Spider Man that, that makes no sense blipped. though. What do you mean? It yeah, makes no sense. No, that's what I was confused about. Like they described it in a, or maybe I'm getting confused. But the way I, I understood it was, whoever got blipped came back five years older. No, they all came back the same. That's why Ned and Mary Jane and all of them are like, like look the same, and that's why like the blonde girl like looks the same. Then why does the freaking Chinese kid got super buff in five years? Because he was just growing up and got to work out because half the population was gone. Fun. Oh, that's one conundrum. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we're getting caught up over this super minor plot point. Minor. <laughs> but I, I do like it. It's like a touch of the world building and like, hey, like this is kind of the consequence and this is how like the high schools deal with it. But for whatever reason, people who five years gone have to repeat their grade. So he's in the same class and he's a rival for Mary Jane's affection, which all of a sudden... Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Peter Parker is obsessed with Mary Jane. Wasn't he obsessed with her in the previous movie? No, Are he wasn't. Sure? He, there, there was the the Vulture's daughter he was after. And no, then but there's subtle hints. There's that. one scene <laughs> in the end of the movie where she's like, "I'm Mary Jane," and he's like, "Oh," and that's it. That's so the seeds. Uh, I I call bullshit. I, t- I asked my brother about this because my brother's like the biggest <laughs> Spider-Man fan I know. He cried during Infinity War when Spider-Man died, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I said to him, it felt really weird how obsessed he was, considering they didn't really interact much in the other movie. Like it didn't feel like it naturally built up. It just felt like we entered this movie, and he's like, "Yo, I got to get in there." Do you think they're trying to play like the more canon route all of a sudden? Well, I feel like uh, every Peter Parker needs his Mary Jane. Or yeah, Stacey, yeah. I, I mean, we haven't had Gwen, so I guess that's that's gone. Granted, we don't even have like Green Goblin or seemingly the Osborns in this <clears throat> Spider-Man continuity. So I'm not sure how that works. Or is are they? I mean, intent? so far we don't. There was no hints of them. Oh, but the post credit, the mid credit scene kind of suggests that it might they might exist. How? Because we'll get, we'll get to that later. Here's my okay. We'll get to my bullshit theories later. But okay, sure. Uh, my <clears throat> only thing was though that uh, I just thought it was really weird how much he liked Mary Jane. Now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and I feel like they only did that because Spider Man's supposed to like Mary Jane. You know, like it's a thing that you just accept because you know Peter Parker, Mary Jane. Versus where in the movies they didn't really like show that relationship build. Being as stupid casual that I am, 
I just kind of ate it up at that point. I'm like, okay, Peter Parker likes likes Mary Jane. I, yeah, and like I said, it's like that comic knowledge, that that just general pop culture, what you know of Spider Man. It just you immediately know that. And I think you're, and they have good you chemistry. Also, I don't know, you like, absolutely have a good point because their well, Peter's affection for Mary Jane was like a big plot point in this whole movie throughout. Yes. It's a predominant plot point, you could say. Very it's, uh, it's very featured. It's very pushed. Their relationship is one of the main focal points, and uh, it's. I just found it interesting, like how much he was he was into her, and I and, and I and I buy their relationship because the actors really nail their chemistry, and they they have a good on screen uh, chemistry together. So I think, and they're and they're very cute. Both Aww. Tom Holland and her, the actress's name for Mary Jane escapes me at the moment, but she's Zendaya. Zendaya. She she also is uh, very adorable, like in a, in a like a modern kind of dorky but still cool girl kind of way. Is that how your high school life was like, minus the Spider Man powers? No, not until grade twelve. <laughs> grade twelve was kind of like I got Spider Man powers. Oh, go on. How, what kind of powers did you get in grade twelve? I had the power of being the only person in my uh, in my grade who bought who weightlifted. So I was just like, no one else really did that in my high school for whatever reason. So I just had the power of like, hey, Darren's really strong. Don't touch him. It was like bully repellent, like coming through like grade tens to ten to twelve. Oh my god, I can kind of imagine you just wearing like wife beaters, like being super buff walking. Definitely around. did not wear wife beaters because my school would have definitely <laughs> like had something to say about that. But uh, you know, I wore the odd like muscle shirt to school once or twice in the summer. Wow, you're one of those. Hey, you got it. Show it. Early adopters, I guess. Right. You got it. Show it. But uh, yeah, so Peter Parker is after Mary Jane. They go on a trip to Europe, a class trip where I think it's science like, class science trip. Science. Science. You know, it could have been like a history trip or something. Like a social studies trip would have been a bit more believable. Like, why do you uh, go to Europe for science? Yeah. (laughs) Well, why do you go to Venice for science? Yeah. No, you go to Paris. Like, why? Yeah, Paris, the city of science. But uh, not of, like, art, culture, and history. But uh, so they go on a trip. It's like 14 kids. Uh, You have Ned and the blonde Newcaster girl hook up on the plane. Which is very likely. Um, I didn't really buy their whole relationship, but I thought it was funny. I think it was a just a plot device inserted so you can have a like a comparison to remind Peter, like, oh, I could be them right now, but no, I'm yeah. not, kind of thing. I definitely felt like it was just there to be like a comedic relief. But as someone who's been on school trips across countries, I have totally seen people who. Like hook, sit next to each other, train. They don't necessarily hook up. It's just like all of a sudden they 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 land and they're like, oh, we're gonna be like dating now. We're boyfriend girlfriend now. And you're like, oh, okay. And then literally on the flight home, they would break up, just like the movie. No, literally, like that 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 movie was like I, when I watched the movie, I was like, damn, this reminds me of someone I knew in high school who this exact situation happened to. How do you feel about them push so pushing so hard on the whole high school aspect, like the high school love life slash like uh, this is what a typical high school does? I think it's a nice kind of change of pace because no other <clears throat> Spider-Man movie really focuses on that. Like mm-hmm. into Into the Spider Verse definitely pushed it pretty hard, and I I liked I liked how Into the Spider Verse handled it. But like the the old Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, like got him through high school as quickly as possible. Like, a quarter of the way through the first movie, he's already graduated high school, he's done, he's out, he's now working, and they they rushed him out of there. They just used high school, set him up as a nerd, and then he got the powers, and he basically graduated. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, they don't really do anything with the high school stuff. It kind of, They don't. They yeah, just go they straight just, to adulthood. Yeah, they well, no, they're still in high they, school during the first two really movies. They don't really show it, right? They show it, but they don't do anything with Dabble it. It just shows yes. him like dunking a basketball and and talking smack to Flash and that's kind of it. They don't really yeah. do anything else there. So I, I kind of like how these movies draw in his social life because in the comics and a lot of Spider-Man stories like that's really key to his character is especially since it's supposed to be a young Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helps uh, show off more of the drama of his uh 
secret identity. Because a lot of the Marvel heroes, you don't have that problem anymore. None of them are trying to protect their identity. I think that's also playing into the whole Civil War yeah. um, saga when that happened. Because it's not really included in the the movies as much, I don't think. But one of the big plot uh, points for Civil War was... Um, what's his name? Tony Stark really wanted to push this agenda where every superhero becomes become registered. Yeah, and you'd know who they were. Yeah, so they don't hide because there there's an incident in the comic books where a band of like un quote unquote unregistered heroes commits like kind of accidental murder and it kinda of pushes Tony to be like, Hey, everyone with powers, we need to know where you are so we can protect each other from like potential, you know, threats. Um <clears throat> yeah. So, Spider-Man goes on a trip and during said trip, Peter or I guess when they're in Venice, runs into a water elemental that's tearing up the city and that's when they run into our f- other feature character in this movie, Mysterio played by Jake, can't pronounce his last name. Gyllenhaal. There you go. Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> the Prince of Persia himself. Who is known as Quentin in the movie. Yes, that's right? actually Mysterio's name. Yeah. And uh, in this canicity, he is a from a, a different Earth, from a different multiverse. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole Into the Spider-Verse joke there saying there's a multiverse. Um, saying he's from a different Earth, and these elementals destroyed the whole Earth. And all it's the Avengers Earth, yeah. are on vacation right now, or they're off-world, or they're doing other stuff, or like half of them are dead. So, uh, or not half of them, but a lot of them are out of duty, or like Three. just chilling <laughs> post-Infinity uh, War. And Nick Fury needs Spider-Man's help, since he's kind of like the only nearby Avenger. And... Throughout the entire movie, uh, Tom Holland's avoiding Nick Fury's calls and doesn't want to deal with Avenger stuff. He just wants to take it easy. It's a big a big plot point is that he wants to take a break from being Spider-Man and just be a kid. Mm-hmm. He just wants to go out and do teenage stuff and not deal with being Spider-Man. And apparently that's part of the reason why his spider sense stops working. Because he's unsure of what to do. He's unsure what to do, and it's like his emotional state and hormones are affecting his superpowers. You, you know, sure, whatever. Otherwise, his spider sense would immediately defeat the whole movie. Yep. He lost his mojo. He just like lost his, uh, his Peter Tingle. I love how they just say that with a straight face when they're talking with him, too. Yeah, when there's a lot. They say a lot, that too. One scene. Oh, you mean you're Peter Tingle, yeah? Your Peter Tingle. You guys get your Peter Tingle back. So essentially, uh, Nick Fury force. I, I love the scene when Nick Fury meets with Spider-Man. Where he's just in his hotel room. And Peter Parker's like, oh shit, it's Nick Fury. And then they keep getting interrupted in their secret convo. I love that line. He goes, the next person who interrupts me is going to end up in a basket or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good part. I actually really i want to say i want to give credit i can't remember the actor's name he's from silicon valley but the homeroom teacher Mm -hmm. who he was in homecoming as well and he's like a very dorky teacher um who has a lot of mishaps happen to him but his humor in this movie got me every time really yeah like this like there's like there's a scene on when he when in when they're trying to traveling to europe and Peter Parker tries to get, sit next to Mary Jane and goes, Oh, I have a perfume allergy. Can I switch seats with you? And then the homeroom teacher gets him next to him. And then he starts telling him about how <laughs> during the oh blip, my God, yeah, how he <laughs> thought his wife died. And they had a funeral, but it's revealed she didn't die and just pretended to die and moved out with another dude. And there's oh just God. like shit like that where he's like, This, this guy's life is miserable. <laughs> Yet he's still there being a teacher. And it, and just, I don't know, a lot of his really dark humor <laughs> really mm-hmm. appealed to me. I think the other other funny part was like, he was asking, oh, where's Peter? Does he need like uh, someone to be like, talk to him? Because I'm not qualified for this. I'm not qualified for this. And <laughs> so <on. laughs> Yeah. But uh, essentially, uh, 
Spider-Man has to help Nick Fury in dis- in stopping these elementals and working with Mysterio, who he kind of sees as like a father figure that Tony Stark was for him, and he he's trying to help him out. But in the meantime, Tony Stark gave him these super glasses that give him access to like a security network that could theoretically like Big Brother the whole planet, mm-hmm. and he could. Uh, basically send drone strikes on any person he wants he can hack freaking texting and media devices with like tony's magic technology and he could he could literally rule the world these glasses and they and he's seemingly the only person who can use them since he inherited them and also strikes me that shield didn't realize there's a gigantic satellite in the space that houses i don't know like a couple hundred drones with machine guns Missile launchers. Missile launchers, drones, what have you, like hacking security networks. And they just don't notice it floating in space. Well, I'm weirded out that it was made because I thought that was what Ultron was supposed to be. And I thought after Ultron, Tony got rid of that, but apparently not. So he was always. So Tony Stark, even though he had his big heroic moment at the end, he still was kind of a dick who didn't care about people's privacy or security and well-being. And also, do you remember in Captain America how there's a whole thing in the the Winter Soldier where they had those drone strike ships that were going to take out threats before they even knew? Yeah, the gigantic like floating warship thing. Yeah, that's what this basically seemed like. Yeah, like a, like a more compact version. Yeah, only like a scarier, a scarier, more stealthy <clears throat> version. And um, essentially, he has this plot device. There's some mishaps with it. There's some fun humor in this movie that kind of relate to that those drones initially. Um, but essentially, they're traveling around, and they defeat the last fire elemental. And seemingly, the Earth is saved. And Peter Parker is like, you know what, Quentin? You're a good dude. I've only known you for like two days, but you're kind of like my my pseudo dad, Tony Stark. So I'm going to give these glasses to you. And then he hands over control to him and he's like, oh, dang, I don't want them. And he's like, nah, you need them. Nah, nah. And then he walks away to go do high school stuff. And then Quentin turns around to this bar they're in and goes, everybody, good job. And it turns out he's a con artist using augmented reality cg and projections and drones to create these elementals and illusions of him actually doing the things he's doing i love the part where he goes through each individual like major role actors yeah he goes how they played a part in like the previous movies yeah he goes through each like main person of his gang going like hey you found out this information and it cuts to like an old marvel movie like a background character and it's like t- <laughs> the guy that uh, that developed his drone technology was from Iron Man One, who of Jeff Bridges' character was like, "Tony Stark built this in a cave. Why can't you build it?" And, and that's like, where he's sorry. from. He got fired from all the way back there, and I thought that was a really fun callback. But at the and, same time, yeah. how do you feel about this whole? Because obviously we all knew going in that Mysterio was going to be the bad guy because he's Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Of the Sinister Six. Yeah. But how did you feel about the whole drone holographic illusion type thing going on? I honestly thought if it wasn't for Jake Gyllenhaal's acting, I think Mysterio made for a very... I don't want to say boring, but kind of underwhelming. A villain, underwhelming villain. Yeah. yeah, I kind of thought so too. I thought that Jake Gyllenhaal. This is probably one of the better performances I've seen him in recently. Uh, not to not to diss his performance in Prince of Persia, but uh, sure, <laughs> he's the adopted son of the King of Persia. That's why he's white. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's their in movie explanation. But. Uh, I thought he was really good in the movie, and he was very convincing. And it was kind of neat how they explained all the elementals and how all that was working and how his he himself there. But at the same time, a lot of people in the audience would probably imagine, like, hey, if Spider-Man's Spider-Sense was, like, the least bit working, he'd probably pick up he's not talking to anybody when Mysterio's flying around shooting stuff. 
like how hormonal do you have to be to not notice like drones flying? Super hormonal, because <laughs> apparently you can't hear them either. They also must because yeah. think about this. Think about the quality of speakers they must have for like the effects coming from the uh, elementals. And how are the drones whipping up like a hydro storm to like disguise themselves in? And how is Mysterio shooting those green things all the time? No, Mysterio's not even there. That's just all CG. Okay, then. Okay, here's the thing. How? What kind? They did this before getting access to the Edith drones, right? Yeah, because when he gets the glasses, they basically upgrade yeah. all the drones so they can do more of this, and it's more accurate. Like, how do they do it before even getting Edith? They'd say, shut up, it's a movie. <laughs> this is a plot point that has to happen for the movie to work. So the whole plot point is that Spider-Man basically gave a con artist who has a vendetta against Tony Stark access to, like, the most powerful network slash um, observation technology ever. So he could drone strike anybody on the planet. And then his whole thing is he just wants to surpass Tony Stark is, like, his whole deal. He wants to be a hero. He wants to promote Mysterio as a hero... That is greater than the Avengers. He wants to become the next big hero people can rely on after the end of the Avengers. Which I don't get his end game with. What do you yeah. do when the actual threats show up? Like, yeah, what? Like, why do you? <clears throat> well, I guess you can use the drones, I guess. But even then, like, it was this, was the original Mysterio like this in the comic books? Mysterio's always been like a master of illusion. He's always mm-hmm. been a fake. He's always used either, like, smoke or, like, hallucinogenic substances on people. I think there might be one version of him who's actually, like, a Doctor Strange-esque magician. Mm -hmm. I might be misremembering, though. So there's some versions of him that has legit powers, but most versions, the classical version, is he's just a dude wearing a fishbowl costume. And he just does tricks. I think that's the one big takeaway from me because after seeing Endgame, where you have the accumulation of every single like superpower or super high tech people, and then you come to Mysterio, who's just a VFX guy. Yeah, like he doesn't really make a convince convince me that he's a next big villain to be scared of. Like it gives moments where uh, when the um, Spider Man's fighting him like the first time around, you see all these like hallucinations and illusions. I thought those CGs were really cool. That was probably where... like my favorite scene in the movies when he goes yeah. to confront him and they fight in a construction yard. Basically, Mysterio. I have a lot of questions about how he made it work because he basically made Spider-Man believe he got in a car with Nick Fury, drove up to this building to go stop Mysterio, and then all it's revealed he's actually in a construction site. There's no Nick Fury, and then Mysterio gets him to walk in front of a train. That they also, but the question <laughs> is, how yeah. do the drone? How does the drone technology work in a car to make you think you're getting into a different car? And it's also like to the level of he can basically walk around invisible, like he has he has the Metal Gear Solid optic camo. They kind of elabor- They kind of showed how powerful it is. From I think it was Infinity War where Tony Stark does the whole like his, oh this is my therapy thing I use for AR, and like. The beginning when he was like giving a speech at MIT, if you remember the scene. Mm-hmm. That's actually <clears throat> Civil War that scene's in. Sorry, there's too many movies. There anyway. are way too many movies. Um, that kind of showed that the power of this augmented reality thing. So I think, I mean, it's a, it's more movie bullshit. Yeah. Basically. Like, like Iron Man's technology has al- always been borderline magic, but that's just like the next level of it. It's like, okay, it's like, okay I got to really suspend my disbelief here to believe you're doing all this crazy shit. It looks cool as all hell when he's doing that first fight with Spider-Man. It also begs the question of why not just shoot Spider-Man? It's one of those like villain things where like, I must break you. First yeah, you. it's really <laughs> weird because they do this whole relationship with Quentin and Peter Parker where Quentin likes Peter Parker. Like He has nothing against him personally. Mm-hmm. And he kind of admires him and he actually regrets that he has to kill him because he knows about his secret. Because Mary Jane found out. And then they tell Ned. And then Ned and his girlfriend he has to go after. So I, I like how he was like... He, they had a, a convincing relationship. 
Mm-hmm. But it was also weird where he's just like, oh, I need to break you now. I need to mentally break you, even though I really like you. And it's just like, okay. And they have like a throwaway line going, oh, Tony Stark fires you because you're psychotic. But you don't really see that till like the end of the movie. I think it's one of those like, oh, maybe because he knows that Spider-Man is very physically gifted and whatnot. So you need to like set up this elaborate plan in order to like completely kill him rather than Oh, I didn't know that his spider sense is but gone. But it could doesn't dodge completely kill him. He survives the train because last he, he minute gets, yeah. spider sense, maybe. He gets hit by train coon. Because also, and, if spider sense worked, he would have dodged the hell out of that train. Also, he, Mysterio has speakers that are loud enough to block out a train. Throwing that out there. Stark Technologies. That's honestly the biggest part of it is ambient sound. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to me how he has like such perfect sound quality that's so convincing. That's that's the weird part to me, especially when you when you're the person you're targeting isn't wearing headphones or something, or they're 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 not like trapped in an audio room. They're just out in a construction yard where you would hear all the environment. Maybe the drone was literally flying like right next to him just since they're visible. You just can't see him. <laughs> like literally Giant just speakers all around them. So yeah, I, I think the biggest problem with this movie is like the technology is super weird. <laughs> it's w- way too advanced for its own good. It's to too a point where it's, it's like it's unbelievable. Advanced for something that's not that impressive. Far-fetched. I mean, it is impressive if you think to an about extent, it. but like he's only using it to create. CG projections. Mm-hmm. That's all he's really using it for is to show off fake monsters in real life. Oh man, but the fight during like this, uh, his fight with Spider Man when he shows like all those like he goes from like snow area, then goes to like construction yard again, and yeah, he goes like the, a graveyard. The, the visual like, effects pops are out. off the charts for that scene. It's an incredibly impressive bit of cinematography, especially for considering like how much CG there is. So this movie has a lot of CG too. If you're not a fan of computer-generated technology. At some point, I was really, like, convinced that it was, like, just real people. Then they break it down to CG. I was like, ooh. Like, there, <clears throat> we reached a point where CG is, like, just straight-up Uncanny Valley now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been for a while. But, like, this movie kind of proves that, like, we reached a point where it's just, it's just hard to tell anymore. Yeah. Um, here's my question mm-hmm. for you and us and the viewers. Can a movie have too much CG for its own good? I would say this is a case study where, yes, there's way too much CG for my liking. I'd say the there's movie. too much because you don't buy the action as much. I think that's a big reason why I really like the action scenes in a lot of the DC movies is that they're a lot more practical. Mm-hmm. Like, I always go back to Batman vs. Superman. God-awful movie, terrible pacing, all that. But the scenes where Batman's just punching people are really exciting to watch because it is in person, right? Like, if you think back to... I'm trying to think of what's the most outside of Infinity War with the big battle? What's the most memorable one-on-one fight scene in a Marvel movie? Just one-on-one? Yeah, because a lot of it is just CG garbage. A lot of it, you don't really have any stakes because it's just two computer-generated versions and actors on blue screens just running around in circles. Um... Like, it's not really convincing most of the time. I'd say Winter Soldier is probably the only one I can think of. That's because it's two people fist-fighting. Yeah. But if you think of, like, Thor, it's just magic happening. Like, you don't buy it. You're like, whatever. It's just all... Ba-ba-ba-ba happening, right? And Iron Man's just straight up CG when Iron Man's on the screen. Yeah. Iron Man su- has probably suffered the most from having CG technology. Yes. Like, like but a lot of the Iron Man stuff looks really uncanny. But big thing is uh, Peter works with Happy. He makes a cool new spider suit. Go download it in Spider-Man PS4 today. Um he kind of gets over the burden of being Tony Stark's protege. He kind of accepts like why he was chosen and, and like how he's got to grow. And I got to say, I hope this is it for the whole Spider-Man-Tony Stark relationship because I feel like it's been run into the ground at this point. 
I just love the whole tribute they did. Basically, <laughs> him building the suit with Happy putting ACDC on. Yeah. It's basically a reenactment of him in like Iron Man 1 and 2. <laughs> yeah, Le- I love Led Zeppelin. I think I thought that was really great. No, that's was it Led Zeppelin? Joke. No, it's ACDC back in black. Oh, okay. I was like... <laughs> I was like, Led Zeppelin's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that, that's the whole point of that scene. Is he says, and then Happy's like, Jesus Christ, this kid's too young. But Stupid teenagers. Uh, but he's got a hot aunt. Um, mm. Which, for some reason, Happy is going for, of all people, in the Marvel Universe. But whatever. Marissa Tomei's hot. But, uh, yeah, he goes there. He fights Mysterio. He gets his spider sense back because he completely trusts himself. I will say the scene where he just focuses and closes his eyes and fully relies on spider sense is really cool. Best part in the movie. It's probably the best part in the movie. Also, when he, like, senses again that he's the Quentin is right behind trying to shoot the gun in his head. Yeah. It just grabs it like split second. That was also cool. Yeah. And there's this whole thing where Quentin goes crazy trying to kill Spider-Man and trying to kill his friends. And, oh yeah, we also skipped over that Mary Jane find, like basically confronts him about being Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And they have this whole pause cool. in their relationship because Peter is like, oh, did you only, like, were you only interested in me because you thought I was Spider-Man? She's like, yeah. And he's like, oh. And but later she was like, I'm just a socially awkward person. I just say what's on my mind, so that's why I said it. But I actually love you, st- uh, what's his name, Peter. I like you, Tom Holland. You're hot. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so she found out, and there's this whole thing where Quentin goes nuts trying to kill Spider-Man with the drones. He accidentally gets shot by one of them, so he's dying. <laughs> he <laughs> appears to have died. But surprise, it's CG again. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Well, no, he's... I'm talking part where yeah, the end initially he's the lying credits. down, he stands up again, shoots him, then he goes back down again. Yeah, he was still injured, so he used the technology one less time trying to get him, and he couldn't do it. And then Peter Parker saves the day, he's dating Mary Jane, he takes her for a swing, she doesn't like it, Ned and his girlfriend break up, uh, they get the glasses and the drones under control, and seemingly everything is A-okay. Breaking news! In the post-credit scene, and this is my biggest problem with the movie, is I feel like everyone's takeaway are the two post-credit scenes and not the movie itself. Nope. And I kind of said that to my brother. I was like, I kind of feel like this movie is kind of middling with a couple really good highs, but because of these post-credit scenes, everyone's going to be talking about it. And people are going to be claiming it's like so amazing and so groundbreaking because of but the post credit stuff. The two post credit scenes, yeah. I think the middle credit scene, <clears throat> which we'll, we'll call post credit scene one or PC one for short, I think that opens up so many doors. Well, yeah, people they're clearly not setting even... up the next movie for that. So why don't you explain to us what PC one was about? So PC one is that he is just after he takes Mary Jane for a swing and they're, they're talking and uh, then all of a sudden the news comes on and there's a confession with Quentin who I don't know when he had time to record this during while he was dying maybe wow and uh, I like I was unsure if he did that before Spider Man got to beat him, him up. But it, it was weird because he knew Peter Parker's identity because he was pretending to be working with S.H.I.E.L.D. So he found out mm-hmm. Peter Parker's Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson in the flesh. Played ah. once again by J.K. Simmons, who is the ultimate casting. The ultimate casting. No one character. can replace him. No one. No, he was born to be this character. It's amazing. He was so good in the... He's probably like the best part of the Tobey Maguire movies. And he's... Pretty great here in his Alex Jones esque InfoWars podcasting oh, online platform, <laughs> where he is the one to break the story about how Peter Parker is Spider Man. Quentin reveals it to the world. He claims that he was killed by Spider Man, who is using the drones, which I don't know why anyone would believe after Infinity War. Yeah. Like that was a weird. If it thing was like literally after, right after Homecoming, and he said, "Oh, Spider Man did this," then I'd buy that people might believe that. But after Infinity War, it's like, what the hell does he have to gain? 
He fought they aliens. Have, yeah. well, like, what does he have to prove? Why would he need to do your crazy plan? Anyway, so Peter Parker's identity is out there. Everyone knows. And don't Jay, you love, Joe Jameson's back. Don't you love how this is basically the end of Iron Man 1? Yeah. For In one way or another, he basically reveals that... He just re- reveals his secret identity. Not by from his mouth, but someone else did. In a like, way. There's so many scenes in similarity to Iron Man 1 in this movie. There's the a whole lot construction thing, of tie-ins. The whole glasses thing. There's like a, it's like basically like a Tony Stark tribute. But this is how it canonically goes, I think. like some Someone will reveal his identity sooner or later. Um, here's my thought when... Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, oh my god, J.J., came onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Is that, does this mean that the other characters in the, this, who, who are always present in the Spider-Man universe, will they appear now? Including Harry Osborn? Or is this not part of this universe? I don't know, because I honestly don't know. I always thought that Homecoming, with its post-credit scene, because here's the thing I told my brother that I didn't like about this post-credit scene, is that... Uh, the Scorpion from Spider-Man, mm-hmm. the actual guy who will become the Scorpion, is imprisoned during the events of Homecoming. He mm-hmm. was making a deal with the Vulture where he was supposed to sell him some tech, and then they get busted by uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. So in prison, in the post credit scene, the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton, is, is approached by the Scorpion, who's like, Hey, word is you know who Spider-Man is. I want to I wanna kill that kid. Tell me who it is. And he goes... No, I don't know who it is. And that was a cool scene of showing, A, how the Vulture respects Spider-Man and the guy kind of protects him. Mm-hmm. And B, it's now entirely defeated because of this scene. Do you think they get Cable in prison? They're going to find <laughs> out. If everyone knows, he'll hear, like, someone will go up to him and be like, hey, man, uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man. He's like, huh, kid, I'll kill him. So it seems like they're going to be maybe setting up the Scorpion as the villain. It seems like they kind of do multiple villains for Spider-Man. Like they kind of had like the Shocker. They had the the Shocker in uh, Homecoming. So much right now. <laughs> uh, they did. He was called the Shocker. It's great. I wonder. I wonder if they'll eventually bring the Sinister Six into the scene. They already introduced is like three Sony of them. Is like, Sony supposed four? to still be working on that? Uh, that was I the mean, whole point of Amazing Spider-Man 2 was to set up Sinister Six. Now I carry it over to the Tom Holland era. Uh, yeah, I'll be curious because, like you know, you could go the route of the Spider-Man game and uh, feature other characters from the Sinister Six. Like you could have so like we we haven't seen Rhino in this universe. We haven't seen uh, Doctor Octopus. We haven't seen Electro. We haven't seen. Obviously, Salmon. Green Goblin, that's a big thing. Where is he? But That's the one thing I kind of miss about these Spider-Mans after the Sam Raimi era. Like, in my opinion, Green Goblin is the best villain for Spider-Man. Arguably, Green Goblin is Spider-Man's Joker. In, like, yes. in the ultimate line of comics, that's his ultimate villain. That like He and Green Goblin are like arch nemesis. And in like some of the cartoons, I would say that like Doctor Octopus is like his arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. It sort of depends on the uh, continuity. Like he, especially so I, because uh, of yeah. the spectacular Spider-Man, he has a very deep tie with Doc Ock. I think that's why, while Tom Holland Spider-Man, I really like a lot from his acting plus, you know, the ties with the Marvel universe. But I think just if you look at the Spider, like the Tom Holland Spider Mans, just by themselves, I think the villain and like the you know the conflict conflicting antagonist is kind of weak compared to the other other two movies, especially like the Sam Raimi era. I really like how they depicted the Vulture. I really mm-hmm. like how they handled that. But at the same time, I do kind of agree he wasn't the be all end all and compared to spider-man's gallery of rogues he doesn't and of course like you know spider-man 2 where we had that portrayal of uh doc ock which was really really good and then you always had the whole thread the whole plot line of the of the osborns and the green goblins Mm -hmm. which is another cool part of those movies and unfortunately the symbiote symbiote saga which was still good in its own merits was probably the weakest of the three 
in December. It era. was especially weak in those movies. Because I could definitely see them doing that in uh, this continuity with how much Making space. Making dance? No, no, no. Well, yeah, they could. They will probably do that as a joke. But mm-hmm. uh, they have so much space shit going on that uh, symbiotes would totally be in line. Like that could probably be the one of the villains. They could do the Venom. Although I don't know if they will because of Sony's version of Venom. Can you imagine if Tom Hardy and Tom Holland wasn't the same scene? <laughs> the Toms. No. If they didn't make the Venom movie, I could have seen it, but now I can't. Now I can't. Because because freaking Eddie, that version of Eddie Brock is way too old to be like have any relation to this version of Peter Parker. I don't know. Having like the well, they're supposed the to be rival dynamic. reporters, right? In which there's too many Spider-Man. No, in which general Spider-Man. continuity, they're supposed yes. to be both reporting for the Daily Bugle. Yes, and in but this in... version, the Daily Bugle is a weird, like live show, podcasty online Informers. thing. So I don't really yeah. see how they mix that. First shame. But okay, uh, then here's a question, just to segue to the next thing. Mm-hmm. How if you do you think Mysterio was the right villain pick for this movie, or if you had a choice, who would you pick? Based on the story they're trying to tell, I think having a low-powered villain works because they're trying to go into trust. Trust was a big thing in the movie. They have a whole mm-hmm. thing with duplicity and trust, and kind of trying to see who can have faith in now that Tony Stark's gone. How do you trust your friends and family, and yada 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 yada. So there is a. Uh, there is a lot of factors uh, like that. So I think Mysterio makes sense. I, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree fully with the portrayal, especially I think the motivations need to be stronger. Mm-hmm. Like if it were just a thing of he just wants the glasses so he can control the security network, I think that would have been a stronger thing if he was like trying. Maybe he like it would have been a better thing of him trying to take over S.H.I.E.L.D. Maybe that would have been a stronger motivation than I want to create this fake hero that people aspire to. But when what? But once Thor comes back and all the other heroes show up, that I'm fucked immediately. Like if it was just a Spider-Man's the only hero, his plan would have merit. But you're in a world Coming with Avengers, yeah, like sixty heroes who could all crush you. Like, there's no... His plan didn't make sense. So I feel like if they tightened up the motivations and the plan, I would have liked the whole Mysterio choice more. But I don't necessarily think for the story they're telling, they had a better villain to go with. I I don't think Green Goblin or anything like that would have made this movie better. Follow-up question. Do you think what what occurred in Endgame... Or even Infinity War, outside of the public knowing like the bleep happened, do you think the public was aware of what actually happened in terms of like, oh, there's a Thanos guy, oh, there's Infinity Stone? I feel like what do you they, think the public was? I told? feel like they had to been told told something like parts of it for sure, mm-hmm. just because they know Tony Stark died somehow. Yeah, and there is like a huge. There was literally aliens fighting. Like like the, I I imagine they'd have a hard time covering it all up. Mm-hmm. Especially since the people who covered up were dead, like Nick Watch Fury one. and all that were gone, so Bleep. it's hard to cover that up. Especially because people already knew about Thor and space aliens and all that. And if anyone did their paperwork in Norway, they'd know there's a bunch of space immigrants there. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like just a whole city of space immigrants with spaceships. I can't wait to visit Norway. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like they should, especially if they know about the blip in general, they should mm-hmm. know. I feel like because half the population died, they have to know about Thanos. Something, yeah. Yeah, there has to be some knowledge. We don't really know to what extent, but we do know they know that they died and came back. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, if they knew about the scale of, like, what what's out there in terms of, like, you know, threats, 
I don't know why Quentin would thought, oh, me and just a bunch of drones and special effects can protect the world kind of thing. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't I even think he was trying to do it to protect the world. I think he was just trying to do it to, like, outshine Iron Man, which is weird. It would have been a better thing of, like, if he is a thing of, he wants Spider-Man, like, Iron Man's tech. There you or go. Or something yeah. like that. that. Like, he sense. wants to rise in S.H.I.E.L.D. so he can get access to that stuff. Especially because he, he was saying to them, I'm a soldier, I'm a scientist... Like, I'm good at this stuff, and, and he was mm-hmm. gaining Nick Fury's trust. You're doing a thing where it doesn't make sense in audio form. Well, I, I, I like, <laughs> intoned yeah. it with my voice. Which leads us to the PCS2, or actually walked out of. <laughs> you walked out of it? <clears throat> I, well, I just read about it. Oh, uh, I couldn't leave my theater at two in the morning because everyone was still in their seats. And I was like, I can't get out. I'm stuck. <laughs> I want to go home. I want to go sleep. So this post credit scene made a lot of sense to me when I read about it because the entire movie, I thought Nick Fury was acting like kind of out of character. He was kind of place. acting like a jackass. <laughs> like he's he, super uh, out of line. He's super obsessed with Spider-Man. Super childish at points too. Like you ghosting me? Yeah. <laughs> like like he is. Eh, like why he, would Nick Fury care? <laughs> and he's like, uh, he acts very Not desperately in a way. Like he like him. He, he meets Mysterio once and is like, "You're the hero we need." I'm not gonna call Black Panther or who is known to be friends with Shield. I'm not gonna call the Winter Soldier or any of those people. I'm not gonna call Samurai Warrior Hawkeye. I'm gonna call Mysterio, this guy I just met. Where's freaking Falcon all this too? Or Ant-Man, Where's everybody? Well, maybe they answer that with this uh, scene, but essentially they reveal that uh, this Nick Fury is actually a Skrull. He's Talos from Captain Marvel. It's him mm-hmm. and his wife who are pretending to be uh, uh, Nick Fury and, and Agent Hill. They're pretending to be running S.H.I.E.L.D. because Nick Fury's actually on a Skrull ship in space doing Skrull War? That's what it's leading up to. It has to be. Well, I mean, I don't know why else you'd be in space. So the speculation is whatever Captain Marvel was doing, going out to all the, the galaxies, trying to, like, you know, be the Avengers and try to solve all the problems... Apparently, it's not going well, and Nick Fury needs to go up there and help her sort out this problem. And if the Skrulls are involved, the most sensical like, progress is we're going to go for the Secret Invasion, which is one of the next popular uh, Marvel sagas next to the Infinity Saga. Yeah. In my opinion. As I long as wrong. we get Super Skrull... Where is Super Scroll and all this? I don't Do you know. think Where's the fanta- you, you can't have him without the Fantastic Four? Where's Doctor Doom? Oh, Doctor I want him to be the next villain already. Uh, well, I feel like that's where you have to go. You, you're running out of. You did Thanos. Like, where else do you go from here? You've ruined Ultron. You've <laughs> wiped Thanos from existence. So you have nowhere else to go for <clears throat> villains. Like they. The Fantastic Four reboot like literally killed it, and there's a rumor of a Silver Surfer movie. So I guess Galactus might be next. Galactus up online? is like the, if they're trying to up the ante and up it the has scale, like... Galactus would have to be the next logical step. Or if they're trying to bring it more localized problems on Earth or in the nearby galaxy, like Doctor Doom or uh, Secret Invasion, like those plot lines make more sense. If it goes Secret War. A secret invasion, because apparently Secret War is a totally different thing. Oh, yeah, Secret Invasion, which is with the Scrolls, and then you kind of progress to Doctor Doom and to Galactus. That might make for a good Phase Four, but we will wait and see because nothing is nothing else is coming out this year. But we're getting a whole bunch of shit next year, which means we have I have more content to talk about and <laughs> fill this podcast page with podcasts. Yeah. But hopefully there's more video game news because we're all about the video games and not movies. Yeah, I'm not a movie it's, critic. It's been a I like dry uh, news period post E3. Wait a couple of months where all the reviews come out for all the games that are releasing. I mean, there's a lot of Pokemon shit we can talk about, but 
Like we can just leave that for later. Yeah, and like there's there's going to be some game releases coming in throughout the summer. Like there's a uh, Fire Emblem at the end of the month. There is uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, although I saw a great a great meme for that where someone posted a picture of the main character sleeping, and yeah. they wake up going, "Oh, I'm late to school," and they go, "Oh, I'm an adult now," and they wake up going, oh, "I'm a teacher." It's a really stupid meme from from another show. Sure. All right, All right Darren, Spider-Man Far From Home. Is it the best Spider-Man movie ever? Like so many people are claiming it to be, Andy. Fuck no. Where as does it rank amongst in- your list of Spider-Man movies? Are we including the entire Justice Tom Holland series or just the entire Spider-Man Both. saga? Where do you rank it between the Tom... Well, technically, there's only two dedicated Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Civil War is almost a Spider-Man movie. Almost. But... Uh, I mean, yeah, the Civil War is num- number two, then. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would say far... I'd say Homecoming, Civil War, this. If we're to view if it... I can over, if I can overlook the bullshit that's, like, the whole how... Like, the drone thing and the technology... CG alone and the visuals, I would say far from home than Homecoming. Because Homecoming didn't really vibe with me. But if we're looking at the entire, every single Spider-Man film ever made in like the new millennium, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse yeah. is always going to be number one the, for the, me. The, the whole reason I bring that up is because I see people on Twitter saying that this is destroys Into the Spider-Verse. And I'm like, I don't know what crazy drugs you have access to but share them with the rest of the class because i need to see the world the way you do because into the spider-verse is the best spider-man movie bar none the, the cameo alone destroys other spider-man movies and we haven't even talked about how like the character development of miles and how it progresses to get realizing the music, like being the spider-man or the animation like dude this the plot alone and like the writing alone beats yeah, several exactly, of the Spider-Man exactly. movies. I'm mean, never even talking about how good it looks. Because the thing I really like about Homecoming is I like how much it ties together the themes of Spider-Man. It, mm-hmm. I think as a story, it works so much better than Far From Home does. Like especially in terms of him establishing him as a hero. Like his own hero after doing Avenger stuff and being like, oh, but I'm a local Spider-Man. I think also one of the faults of um, Far From Home is that there's um, another YouTuber like pointed this out, but like they jump kind of back and forth between, oh, it's a high school drama. Oh, no, we have to talk about, you know, Peter Parker becoming like the next Tony Stark. Yeah, I also think the whole next Tony Stark thing is so weird. Yeah. Like oh it's, it's just the high school drama it's just the whole and when everyone's like, oh like God, God, when everyone's Tony like Stark. next Tony Stark I'm like why don't you talk to War Machine why don't you talk to Falcon he's just a bad Iron Man <laughs> why don't you talk to freaking uh, what's her name Pepper she has the she like the rescue Iron suit now Woman. yeah why don't you talk to her doesn't she own Stark Industries yeah she's the president and CEO like God why do you want another Iron Man because he was the hero. And they also mm-hmm. lost Cap. <laughs> All right, it was, a, I mean, it was a double blow. We also lost Black Widow, but dot, dot, dot. but no one really knew about her. Yeah, we can just get another generic assassin from anywhere. But uh, okay, since we kind of looked into the ranking a bit of Homecoming, would you recommend people people go see it? Yes, I think it is a very good Spider-Man movie. I'm not. We're not saying it's bad. I don't think we're just saying like compared to the other ones. It kind of falls short. But I think it was still a good cinematic experience. Although I... I know you like the whole teacher bit. I, the guy I did from enjoy Valley. the teacher's misfortune. <clears throat> I found them very annoying. Because the, the other, the other teacher, guy... <laughs> the science teacher, I found uh, very... Like, you are here for, like, the eight-year-old kids. You're here for... Witches! You're here for the really young crowd. You're not here to entertain me. I just liked the other guy, the other teacher's humor because it's so oddly dark compared to like how lighthearted the humor normally is. Like just when he's crying about how his wife left him and faked her death when half of the Earth's population died is like so 
<laughs> so perfect for that type of character. I love how he laughs about it too and just breaks down. <laughs> anyway. You know, I don't think there's any Marvel movies that I wouldn't recommend at this point. <clears throat> and then you go to Twitter and you see what Hideo Kojima wrote about Spider-Man. And usually, you know, if he likes the movie, he writes a paragraph or so. <laughs> and then somebody pulled up his tweet about Captain Marvel and it I was just like, saw it. No, yeah, that's like what he said. We that's saw. It. He's like, he's like, I just saw um, Shazam. Oh my gosh! Like, what a fun movie that did this, this, and this, and this. And it's like super detailed. And then it's like when you saw Captain Marvel. I saw Captain Marvel. Period. <laughs> that's gonna live on every single movie that comes out, and he tweets about it. They're gonna make the comparison. Hideo Kojima is the OG movie reviewer. He's the he's the one I refer to for opinions. I need. I still need to see uh, Shazam. You haven't seen Shazam or Aquaman. And I'm a DC um, fanboy. I like DC more than Marvel, and I have an, uh I've been seeing more of the Marvel movies than the DC movies. Thanks, Batman versus Superman. Director's cut was okay. Ben Affleck's butt couldn't save it because it wasn't America's ass. Anyway, should um go see Shazam. Shazam's good. I, I do want to um, see it. I if it comes to Netflix or <clears throat> even if maybe for like a birthday or something, I'll try to get the Blu-ray. Aquaman is also good. I feel like I would female... I would like it because I like Jason Mo- Moa. Moa. Yes, and the female actress is hot. So and he like I'm a heterosexual male, but that's a fucking man. <laughs> like that guy is freaking jacked. I mean, we have more things to talk about when you see those movies. I actually want to talk about Shazam because that was a. That, it was a good movie. I you know, mean, if, if we're hurting it. for content with the lack of a news cycle, maybe I should go watch Sazam and then we can talk about it. We can do like yeah, a little movie it. club. Oh, we're not even a gaming gaming podcast. We're I'm a just, like, multimedia movie. podcast. We cover all things. Multimedia blues podcast. Uh, when we NBC. when do we talk about <laughs> Gundam? When do we talk about Gundam on the podcast? Let's talk about let's let's do a movie review of a Gundam movie. Let's go. Uh, yeah, just pick. Give me which one to watch, and I'll watch it. Then we'll review it. <laughs> watch uh, Gundam. We can the, talk about watch the, Gundam the Origin. Hey, hey, hey! We can talk about the Double O movie. Mm. Eh? Eh? Let's talk about Double something o? digestible. Giant flower. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening, uh, viewers, and we will be back on a regular schedule. Well, I mean, this is a regular schedule. We're back I on mean, our regular schedule. I don't even know when this is going up anymore. <laughs> if there's no good gaming news, this will go up on a regular schedule. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify. What else are we on? We're not on Stitcher for sure. Google Play? They refuse to put us on Google Play. That we are. I think I will Claude also Bean? put us on... That's our main site, yes. I think I will also put automatic. Us on... No, not that. No, there's I'm just another thinking one. Of random podcast hosting apps and sites off the top of my head. But we're on all the important ones that you're probably listening to this from. And if you enjoyed and this the... podcast, let us know. Or otherwise, stay tuned for more. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash last blues and gaming blues podcast. My Twitter is at last blues and Darren is at Gaming Pilgrim. Gaming Pilgrim. G A M I N G P I L G O R M. That's if it. you have any questions for us, leave, slide us a DM. We will answer them on air. Thank you for listening, viewers, listeners. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.